Greetings, EVP listeners, and thank you for tuning in to episode three with me and fellow paranormal enthusiast Chris Stagg. We're switching things up a bit as we take turns leading the show each week. So before you start speculating that Chris has been abducted or possessed, all you need to know is that he's in a better place. Are you in a better place impersonating Chris? I don't know if I'm in a better place. (laughs) (laughs) For this week's episode, we, and by that I mean myself and whoever this creature is masquerading as Chris, will discuss haunted dolls. This will be followed by a couple of true life ghost stories before delving into the latest paranormal news from around the globe, including a bizarre formation of sheep being called a flock circle. EVP listener Jackie suggested this week's topic, so if anyone has any recommendations for future discussions, please do let us know online. So Chris, how are you this week? Have you had anything out of the ordinary happen? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, no, No paranormal experiences this week that I can think of. Oh, I heard someone knocking on the bathroom door when I was in the bath the other day, but um, I think it was my dog's towel beating against the door. So I don't think I don't think that's anything uh, particularly paranormal to speak of. How about you? No, nothing. Um, nothing over this side. <laughs> I think that's how oh, funny of being in the bath though and being disturbed. It's like, um, privacy, please. It, it did really scare me um, at first. But um, yeah, well, I hope it was my dog anyway. Fingers crossed. Maybe set off a camera out in the hallway next time. <laughs> yeah, I think I might. So, um, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be discussing haunted dolls today. So, two of the most famous ones in the world are, of course, Annabelle and Robert. For those of you who don't know, Annabelle is an allegedly haunted Raggedy Ann doll. Most of you may have seen her in the horror movies from the Conjuring universe. She was apparently given to a student nurse by her mother in 1970, and the doll behaved strangely around the house. Um, so what are your thoughts on Annabelle? I, you are, I, I've got mixed feelings about any of the cases to do with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um <gasps> Just because, uh, do do you disagree? Are you are you a big fan of their work? Yeah, but that's okay. I'm I'm open to your thing. I'll, I'll I'll explain why. I mean, obviously, I didn't know them personally, but I've just I've read a lot of uh, statements and investigations into their work where I've, I've never seen any accusations of fraudulent activity or anything like that. I've I've seen like skeptics. Um, who investigate their evidence say they're really nice genuine people Uh, but time and time again a lot of their evidence just comes down to their word against other people's and that that just rings um, alarm bells with me I mean obviously they've got some of the best and uh, most sensational uh, investigations under their belt Um, and but many times it, it does come down to just their word that's not to say exclusively I mean things like the Enfield Polegeist, which is part of Conjuring Two, I do take any stories associated with them with with a bit of a a bit of a, a pinch of salt. In in terms of Annabelle, though, I do I find the story really really interesting, uh, purely because the story comes from a student nurse who presumably has very little to gain from m- making something up like this. Um, Everyone knows Annabelle. No one knows who this nurse is. Most people know have heard of Ed and 
Lorraine Warren. No one's heard of who this nurse is. So I, I find that really interesting. Uh, I did read something that said that the doll was said to house the spirit of a girl who meant them no harm. And then Ed and Lorraine Warren reassessed the case as things started to get out of hand and decided that, in their opinion, it was actually possessed by a, a demonic force. So I do I do find the Annabelle story interesting. And as I say, because of the association with someone who seemingly has nothing to gain from the story, I, I do... I do come at it with with more of an open mind than I, than I necessarily would. What about you? Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's it's an odd one, um, just because originally the psychic medium who was involved in investigating Annabelle claimed, as you say, that it was um, the spirit of a, a girl, possibly from before these houses were made, living in mm. the fields that were there. Um, and then for Ed and Lorraine Warren's coming in to say that this Annabelle doll, oh, that Annabelle was actually the name of this girl who lived there at the time. Um, but now the doll is a conduit for evil. The, 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 the thing is, Karen, I, I if if someone said to me, oh, I've seen a few um, supposedly haunted dolls in uh, a, a, a couple of different museums, um, one in Whitby, one in uh, Cornwall, and I, you know, I've never felt any kind of malice or anything like that from them. And I, I, I kind of feel like it's it's something that we, because of horror films, we, we kind of tend to have uh, a fear of these things. We, we, we're really associating with the idea that dolls are creepy and, um, and they, can, they can be very creepy. I mean, certainly with Annabelle in the films, they, they replaced the Raggedy Ann doll with, with something a lot scarier looking. Um, but despite all my scepticism, if you said to me, Chris, I've got a haunted doll, you're going to look after it for the weekend, I wouldn't do it. Well, that's very rude. <laughs> would, would you, would, I mean, would, would you, would you have a, any any supposedly cursed object, would you have it in your home? See, I, now that you've put the word cursed into it, that immediately makes me think no. But if someone said it was just haunted and that things seemed to happen with this doll, I would be intrigued to see if anything happened when it was around my house especially if i was at mm. my mum's if the cats picked up on anything around the doll um or if any noises happened um but as you say with dolls it's it's like they represent a kind of innocence and a youthfulness and then to put them in environments that are just the complete opposite of that it's sort of like a, a betrayal and i think that that gets people interested in things um like that and it creates this sense of unease and i think people feed on that as well um so whether with annabelle the, i don't know because they said that once they accepted this spirit of annabelle into the doll that they sort of wanted to care for it whether their mm. energies to the doll and that sort of fed on whatever it was i don't know but no it's it's very odd I mean, I also think that because they look like us, as soon as they start to get old and worn, they they really intrinsically start to look really creepy as well. So I think um, that adds to it as well. Just as a little segue, have you heard about this island in Mexico where it's just full of dolls and in the trees and there's a shack where all the dolls are kind of pinned to the to, to the walls of the shed? No, I don't think so. So, so it's um, I think the, the idea is apparently the story is. A years and years and years and years and years ago, a, a girl drowned 
um, a, a young girl drowned in the waters there. And people started donating um, dolls. There, there was a caretaker at the island and to, um, uh, to kind of appease her spirit, he started giving her dolls and putting them up around the island. And it got to the point where so many people were donating dolls. It's just, it's covered. The whole island is just covered in dolls. Yeah, you, you have to look it up. Maybe we could do an episode of it. It's, it's really fascinating. I'm not sure that there's any alleged hauntings there. I think it's just a very, very strange and creepy place. I can imagine that you'd feel like there were always eyes on you. Yeah, completely. Um, so the other doll I mentioned was Robert. Now, Robert belonged to um, a boy named Robert Eugene Otto, but he went by the name Otto. Um, supposedly, the doll was given to him by his grandfather, who had recently been on a trip to Germany in 1904. So the other scenario of Otto receiving the doll is that he had claimed it from a young girl who had given it to him as a gift or a retaliation for a wrongdoing. And this doll supposedly had voodoo attached to it. So they're two very different stories, him either receiving yeah. it father who had just recently been on holiday to Germany and somehow claiming it from a girl with voodoo connections. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... So, I mean, because it's got two very, very different stories that aren't even remotely the same, that strikes alarm bells with me that how can it have? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was, I mean, obviously to us it's a long time ago, but it's it was only the turn of the century. Why there's so two very, very wide-ranging stories associated with it. Um, also, that the guy who, who grew up with this doll was quite an eccentric person uh, artist who used his house i believe as, as kind of like an artist retreat as well so i always think these kind of stories don't hurt that kind of publicity but i do really like this story and i like it a lot more than the annabelle one because now i, I can't remember where but the museum that the dolls housed in it, it's not necessarily um malevolent it just likes to apparently be treated with respect and, and people write to it um yeah. and ask it for wishes and i thought that was quite nice that's that's quite unusual compared to the normal haunted doll stories that you get yes but it sounded very mischievous yeah um, different to annabelle facial expressions would change and he'd make giggling sounds and apparently he'd move from the window that he was often sat at and children would get scared of going to see him um Apparently, if he, if his owner Otto, who had died in in the nineteen seventies, if he was insulted, then this doll was said to have his facial expression changed to match his his disgust at that. See, I think that's that's really interesting. It's that kind of thing that I like. I actually thought, um, and Lord knows, I don't want to disrespect the dog, but I actually thought the dog that he's holding is a lot more creepy looking than the doll itself. <laughs> I think it's sweet that he's got a little companion. They're both very odd looking. No offense to the doll, but um, <laughs> we're just going to keep. Do you know what? We're just going to keep putting that caveat in all the time. You know, we really no offense to the doll. Sorry, Robert. Um, but no, honestly, I mean, I'd read that um, he looks he looks more simian than he does human. Which, looking at the doll, he does. Uh, yes, maybe that he, yeah. era. But yes, as you said, people write letters to him and apparently they, they ask for his acceptance to take photographs before doing so in case yeah. they help him. Yeah, I love that. I, I think it's a great story. I think it's sweet as well. But as 
Otto was growing up with Robert and odd occurrences would happen, he would blame them on the doll. So yeah. it'd be interesting if it was something that Otto had done himself and he was because apparently he referred to Robert as a person and he would refer to him in the first person. So it'd be interesting if Otto ever actually did commit any little naughty deeds and then blame them on the doll if the doll actually did do things as a result of him feeding his energy and love into the doll. I just sent you this video footage of Robert blinking. What, what did you make of it? It's an interesting theory and it's great that something's been captured on camera and I've slowed it down. It does look like there might be eyelids shuttering over little beady it, eyes. It's really strange, isn't it? Because... Um, if you was gonna, if you was gonna fake that, it's not necessarily the first thought that would come into my mind of how to make them look like eyelids blinking. It, it looks really strange. It almost looks like there's, a, you know, a fog goes over the eyes and back again. Yeah, exactly. I'm just looking at the photos now where he's just sat normally, and it doesn't look like there are any kind of eyelids. No, no, it's really, really, really weird. Maybe Otto's eyelid. Who knows? Well, maybe he now possesses the doll. Of course, not that we want to insult the doll in any way. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't come and haunt us. Saying earlier about people asking permission to take photographs of Robert beforehand in case something were to happen. And in this video, it says that the person who filmed it forgot to ask for permission. And then these eyes were oh, blinking. I didn't I didn't realise that. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I think, you, you know, we, it, it's an isolated thing. You can't really draw a lot of conclusions from it. But if you can find more footage of that kind of thing, then it's it's worth kind of comparing it all together. But the, the problem is with these kind of things, you, you never know if someone's faked it somehow. And it, it's really difficult. Unless you see things with your own eyes, it's really, it, it's, such a, it's such a fleeting recording, uh, quite low quality recording as well. Um, but nonetheless, it's interesting. I mean, I assume the museum where he's now stored is still open. I think it is, yeah. I think you can you can still go and see him. Well, if I'm ever lucky enough to go over to America. Yeah. <laughs> got some yeah. to see. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to move on to the stories that have been sent in by some of our listeners. As I mentioned earlier, one of them is my mum. Um, she sent in three mini stories for me to share. Um, the first of which involves astral projection. And it's very weird because we've got sort of mirroring accounts of things that have happened. So my mum's experience was um, a week or two after my brother was born, she awoke in the early hours to see me. I would have been three, three years old at the time, standing by the side of my mum's bed, smiling at my brother in his cot. My mum said, Cara, go back to bed and then closed her eyes. Then thinking about it, she thought she'd better check on me, so she went into my bedroom and there I was fast asleep. When I was in primary school, it was spring or summertime, so this is my account of something else happening astrally. I'd woken up, it must have been about seven or eight o'clock in the morning. My mum is not an early riser, and she was stood in the doorway of my bedroom with a cup of tea in her hand, dressed and looking very glamorous just leaning against the door and watching me but when i got up to go to the toilet five or ten minutes later she was fast asleep in bed that's so strange so are you saying oh. when 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 your mum saw y you are you saying that it literally 
was you projecting there or are you saying it was it was a, a ghost that she mistook for you i don't know she says it was me she believes it was me stood over john watching him sleep as when he was very young yeah uh, hearing the stories of how i was with my brother when i was younger very protective of him i can believe that i would have done that um and again with my mum I mean, maybe it was a dream. It was the early hours of the morning. You know, when you wake up, you sometimes think what you're dreaming is. So maybe it could be passed off as a dream. But I just remember it so clearly thinking, well, there's my mum. Why she stood there watching me. These these kind of things really interest me because I I always, you know, when someone says they've seen something. So in the case of your mum, who has had a lot of these kind of, uh, experiences very spiritual person I always wonder if someone else was there would they have seen it as well or is it because do you, do you have to be attuned to see it do you see what I mean so yeah. if, if like for example if, if, if you and I were both looking at a, a house is it possible that you might see something in the window where I wouldn't see it and that doesn't mean it's not there I, I always wondered you know, is it a prerequisite that some people just can't see it? I think in some circumstances it might be. Um, I do believe a lot of things have to do with energy and what vibrations you're tuned into and how open-minded you are with things. Um, I know that children often do account more stories of seeing ghosts and obviously having bigger imaginations. I think anyone can see anything at any time does your mum still have these kind of experiences i'm not sure she's had anything recently um because it seems like from our first episode you're where you used to live you know there was so much going on oh yeah yeah my first what was it we called the beer house yeah (laughs) um the only thing i can think of more recently was it's not the house that we live in it's my grandma's house she passed away in December 2016 and my mum and dad had gone up there just to start sorting through things she lived in the West Midlands to start sorting through her house and the alarm system would just go off out of the blue it just it wouldn't even be on it just start going off and I think they had someone come out to look at the thing and they said there's absolutely nothing wrong with it there was no fault on the system everything was wired correctly but it just kept going off and one morning my dad sat in my grandma's bedroom on her bed and a little fake chandelier that was on the ceiling above him literally just fell and smacked him on the head (laughs) sorry i shouldn't shouldn't laugh my grandma didn't always like my dad (laughs) (laughs) oh that's brilliant (laughs) because the the thing is you know that lamp could have fallen for a million reasons but why would it fall just right then on top of his head i know and just after my grandma had passed as well when it's been up i mean yes it had been up there for years everything in my grandma's house she has had for decades she wasn't someone to keep refurbishing the house or bringing in new furniture so yeah of course it could have just been old and fallen um but yeah it was just it was too much of a coincidence and it's when you add all these things together as well you know, on its own, if none of you had ever seen anything, then you'd think, oh, you know, that was unlucky. But it's when you, when so, so like, like I said, with, with the house um, that 
I first stayed in my, my in-law's house, you know, when so much is happening, it, it starts to become more than a coincidence, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's when you start thinking, hmm, what is actually going on? And that's when you get your Ghostbusters outfit out. <laughs> so the second story she sent in is called Ernie. So I'm going to read this as my mum's written it and sent it through. I was brought up by my grandparents, but used to go down to mum and dad's in the school holidays. They lived in a bungalow and had also bought the one next door off, off the elderly neighbour named Ernie, and he was able to remain there for the rest of his life rent-free. Ernie passed away a few years later and the bungalow was refurbished. By this time, I would have been around 18, but still visiting. On this particular occasion, Grandma and Grandad were also coming to stay, although not for a couple of days after myself. So instead of sleeping in the main bungalow, I was told I would have to sleep in Ernie's house. Being a sensitive, I could tell that my presence was definitely not wanted in there. The neighbours on the other side of Mum were both mediums and they confirmed that Ernie had passed in the property and also said that there was no way they would want to have to sleep in there either. So Grandma and Grandad arrived and so this was to be my first night in Ernie's. The bedroom was at the back with a gravel walkway underneath the whole side of the building that then became the garden. The whole place was heavy and oppressive and I just wanted to get out. I hunkered down under the sheets trying to ignore the feeling of being silently told to get out when I heard footsteps on the gravel outside the window, constantly walking the length of the side of the house and back. Mum came in to say goodnight and I told her there was someone walking outside. So she and Dad went out with a torch and had a good look around, but couldn't see any evidence of anyone. Mum obviously could see how scared I was and said that for that night, she would sleep in Ernie's house to show there was nothing wrong. However, the next morning, she didn't say anything, but anyone could see that she hadn't slept well at all. So during that day, I walked around the whole house and spoke aloud to Ernie, telling him that I knew he didn't want me in there and that I didn't want to be in there either, but I had no choice. I had known Ernie when he was still alive, so I reminded him who I was and that I was no threat. I told him that this was still his house and that as neither of us had any say in my sleeping there, would he please leave me alone and not do anything else to scare me? I did this numerous times during the day and again at night. We obviously made a binding agreement as from then on I had a peaceful night's sleep in there and would even spend some days in there on my own. Mum had a cat at the time, and ironically, he would only go into that house with me and not anyone else. Wow, that's that's amazing. Where, how, how old would your mum have been at the time? 18. How my mum is, my grandma is the complete opposite. She was not spiritual oh, really? at all. Just completely black and white. Yeah, she's very strict and proper. Yeah, and it, it puts me in mind of the story from Sarah last week with the whooshing of someone leaning against a wall. You know, there's no mistaking hearing someone walk on gravel. You know, you, you'd you know instantly. You, you and I can both imagine what that sounds like now, you know, intimately, and you can't mistake that. No, it's very definitive sound. I just I thought it's sweet that, obviously, that her and Ernie had come to some kind of agreement and that after that he, he was fine with it. And I asked my yeah. mum yesterday, sent this through, um, did she think Ernie had moved on after that or if he was still around the house? And she said that she thinks after that, because she, she did let him know, like, I don't know if you, you're aware, but you have died. Um, after that, it was a lot, peace, lot more peaceful in the house. So I think she helped. 
So this last story was sent from the second to last house we lived in, in Brentwood. Supposedly, the house was built on ley lines um, and it was built in 1918. So the account is, there was a door leading straight from the kitchen to the stairs. One lunchtime when Cara was at school, she was so disappointed she missed it. Her dad and my <laughs> you can imagine I was absolutely... Um, her dad and myself were in the kitchen and noticed the door handle kept moving up and down as if someone was trying to open it we looked up the stairs to discount any draft from an open window but all the windows were shut and so closed the door the same thing happened again right in front of our eyes this door handle was not loose in any way it had to be pushed down firmly to make it move then the same thing happened with the actual kitchen door because her dad and I were so used to such incidents, we just say to the spirit, okay, hello, and thanks for visiting. And that's the end of it. That's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that you hear of a lot. As I said, I've, it's something that I've not seen myself, but people in my in-law's house have seen. Um, and it's one of those things that is really hard to explain away. I mean, I've I've got no answer for what else it could be other than someone pushing down on the door handle. I, I don't know. But then you you could argue. And I know it's impossible, but it's 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 a, uh, a a very far out there possibility. There could have been someone physically moving the handle. It could have been an entity moving the handle. And then I wonder, is it possible that somehow we do these things ourselves without realizing it? As in psychically is it possible um that circumstances arise that mean that someone could do it themselves i'm probably not making any sense whatsoever the handle going down for the stairs that literally someone would have to have been sat at the bottom of the stairs to pull the handle and then run back up in the time that my mum opened the door and because the house was so old you would have heard them running up and down the stairs that's really weird that it was anything like that Maybe you're right with it being brought on by like themselves and their energies. Um, just because we never really had anything happen in that house. I never felt that there was any spirits there. Um, so no, that's a really interesting theory. And I think maybe we we are accountable for some things that happen sometimes. Did you say your your parents both saw it as well? Yes. My mum and dad were in the kitchen, and me and my brother were at school. See, that's crazy. That especially when more than one person has seen it as well. That's really strange. Yeah, and both of these doors were pretty much like a meter apart, opposing each other. So one was the back door to go outside, and one was the stair door to go up. Very strange. Very odd. So I understand. We have a story that has been sent in that you'd like to share. Yeah, this is from uh, a guy called Ellis, all the way in Sweden. Um, This isn't actually his story. He's recounting it. This is uh, something that happened to his great-grandfather. And he was, he would have been in his 20s at the time. And back in those days, cars were a luxury. His great-grandfather walked to get to neighbouring farms about five kilometres from his own farm. And he says he spent the afternoon at the neighbouring farm uh, talking and drinking coffee uh, and what was the news in the village. 
and some other general farm things. And when he started walking back to his farm, uh, it had already got cold and very dark, and there was a forest he had to walk through as well. And when he travelled through the, the, the really dark forest, he wasn't concerned because he knew the roads uh, so well. It wasn't a problem for him, and the, the darkness didn't scare him. As he was walking, though, on this particular night, he saw a silhouette up ahead, um, and he thought to himself, there's someone he can talk to as he walks back. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that this is like a, a small uh, rural community. Uh, and so he, he started to run to catch up the silhouette, but when he caught up to him, he noticed that the figure that was walking in front of him had no head. And what he was looking at was a beheaded man walking like a normal person down the road. And Ellis goes on to say, my, my grandfather really sort of jumped out of fear. And as he jumped, the figure in front of him completely disappeared. And the grandfather hurried back to his farm. And he says he, he never got an answer for what he saw that night. And it's become a bit of a, a family ghost story. And what's interesting for me is that there's there's no mention that these kind of things happened a lot, or there, there were other kind of like tall tales coming from the family ghost stories. This is an isolated incident, and it, it, it's something that gives it more more weight for it to me. I mean, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I would have, I mean, I probably wouldn't have walked through a dark forest on my own in the first place. No, I definitely wouldn't have done that. And if I'd seen anything like that, I would have had a bowel movement and then ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Uh, yeah. Uh, what a terrifying thing to see, though. What I, what I really like about it is it only disappeared once the grandfather made a noise. So yeah. it was it was there and then, you know, it was it was gone. But, you know, and I, and I wonder, again, if there's if there's a... I wouldn't even call these ghosts. I just wonder if there's a way that kind of handprints can be left, like this person, just like um, just just the image of them has been left behind. Like this, whatever this was, had no consciousness or anything like that. I wonder if it was just one of those things, the right place at the right time in the right circumstances, and um, was able to pick up on on this kind of footnote in history. So we're going to move on to the new stories now, and I really feel like I should introduce it because um, I forgot you was going to introduce things this week, and I've probably sent you the most outlandish news <laughs> new stories I could find. You know, you, you texted me before it was recording. I would I really know your feelings on these news stories, but we'll we'll start off with a Florida woman who saw a mini dinosaur in her back garden, as you do, and uh, we've actually got there's footage as well of what appears to be a bipedal creature with a long, strong-looking tail running through her garden. What what did you make of that? Well, I'll, I'll ask you straight out. Was it a dinosaur? No. no. <laughs> what, what did you think it was then? Because if you, what I quite like is in the article I sent you, it comes up with other suggestions. <laughs> One of them was a dog with a bin on its head. I think... The video quality is very poor. At yeah. first, maybe a peacock. But then I went onto YouTube and looked, loaded up the video and I slowed it down into slow motion and really looked at it. And when you look, the tail doesn't look as strong and definitive as a lizard or dinosaur tail might be. Mm. And it does sway a little bit. It trots along like a dog. So mm. that made it like a crocodile or an alligator for me. It does appear that there's something on its head 
whether it's a bucket or some kind of bandana, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's so fleeting. It's so quick. It, it could realistically be almost anything, couldn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, I will when you, when you watch it, I will give it to them. It does have a vaguely kind of oh, yeah. uh, velociraptor shape, but my argument would be they died out many, 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 many millions of years ago. So it, it can't be that. I, I did, I did I wonder just... that it is such poor quality. I did wonder if it was just outright had been faked. Um, maybe it was a, even a, a remote control car with something on the back of it that they'd driven through the shot. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, just, I love how this woman is sticking to her guns and she's like, no, it's definitely a dinosaur. What are you questioning me for? It's obviously a dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's fake completely. What do you think? Fake. Do you think she's? You think it's fake as well? Okay, we'll put that in the fake bin. Um, the next one, and I've got a feeling we might have the same conclusion again, is yeah. a man who in Croatia, and uh, he's taken a picture of what appears to be a woman with see-through legs. Um, he was originally taking pictures of two nuns at the bus stop, like you do, and he's apparently got a picture of a woman standing there and you can see plain as day she has indeed got see-through legs what did you make of it (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that was going to be my suggestion as well at first i was going to give him the benefit of the doubt and i was going to think you know maybe she like moved quickly and somehow that had created the blur because it's it's the white line that you can see through her legs i mean that's so easy to fake when I showed it to my partner, he looked at it and said he thought it might just be a camera fault um, that picks up on something. Yeah. But then when I zoomed in on the picture very closely on her face, it literally looks like someone's gone onto Photoshop and used a smudge tool down her face. And yeah. I thought, and her neck, it's not on her coat, it's just on her face. And I thought, okay, well, even if this was a ghost why would the person who took the photo go out of their way to hide their identity i mean i was thinking that at first that they'd done it to hide the identity but you couldn't identify them from that angle anyway no no so that was my first I mean, one, like, photo. so when i saw I, that i thought the legs are out of the window as well then <laughs> i mean it just looks like a smudge across to me that they've just smudged white across the thing um, I mean, whatever it is, it's not a ghost. No, that's 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 my thoughts. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we we agree again. Um, it's going in the fake bin. But you may disagree with me on this one because I actually thought this was quite interesting. I did my research, and straight away it was like, "No, Cara, shut up. You you just taking uh, things." <laughs> okay, so this is the flock circle. Mm-hmm. And a field in England where these sheep have made a so-called crop circle. So, what were your what were your thoughts on it? I thought they were being drawn at first to some kind of imprint in the ground. Maybe mm. um, a UFO had come down and <laughs> imprinted something there, and they were like wandering. Um, then I thought maybe they had a very talented um, sheep herder who could keep them all in that specific concentric circles. Um, but That's the thing. No. They are concentric circles. It's not just a, a big ring. It's a ring within a ring within a ring within a ring. 
they're absolutely perfect circles and I was looking at other photos of sheep herding and nothing there was nothing that came about like this but there was another occurrence of this that has happened um I think it was in the early 2000s so I do know what this is but what are your theories I didn't know I don't know what it is but I just I just found it interesting how to me at least and until you tell me otherwise I don't see how or why they would of their own accord do that hypnotized maybe <laughs> yeah maybe come on what, what is it so it turns out that it is something called a sheep snacker that had dispersed food about in circles and that is why they are all in that formation good work Carl. all right on your debunking that's really good they're just hungry little sheep yeah i mean yeah. when you put it like that it's pretty obvious isn't it yeah, I mean, this other article I found, I'll send you the link for this one, from a distance, because the, the, the man who'd seen it while he was out that morning had said from a distance it looked like there was a spaceship parked in the field. Yeah, I read that. And you take it from further away, it does look like that. So I can see why at first he, he did think that way, but when... Yeah, a sheep-shaped spaceship. <laughs> Good work, Cara. Thank you. Thank you for joining me again. It was It was brilliant. I think today's topics are really good. I enjoyed speaking about them and doing some debunking. <laughs> <laughs> there we have it, episode three of EVP. Really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to Eric Matthias of soundimage.org for the use of his free background music. Really great music, really great site. Do go and check it out. It will be in the description of this podcast, as will the links to all the news stories we discussed today. And most importantly, thank you for joining us. If you have your creepy real-life paranormal stories you'd like to share, email them to us, evpodcast at outlook.com. Take care. We'll see you next week. Stay spooky. Thank <laughs> you.